Hello and welcome to the Fan Wankers, the podcast where my esteemed colleagues and I dissect the creme de la creme and the cream of the crap of trends, storytelling conventions, news, and analysis that nerdy media has to offer. song you just listened to was future soon by jonathan colton my name is kylie and here with me is julia hi everybody and wendy hi guys and we all write and edit and stuff for fandomfollowing.com dissecting nerdy media even more over there um yes so writing this episode will be monday the 14th uh how are you guys? I think we're all, uh, we all have the same problem. We haven't gotten enough sleep. Yeah, that that's the problem. And and there's no particular reason no. why. We're recording this on um Thursday just just to be Thursday very open time. and Yeah. We wrote a piece that we posted uh later in the day on Wednesday about light in the grim dark and what we said there is what I'm going to say here. I think it would be really irresponsible if we don't mention the elephant in the room just because of how much we talk about it. So, like, obviously, we're being kept up by this election stuff. It's something that is kind of weighing, and it's something that we're really thinking about all the time with the pieces we're going to be writing. Like, you know, I I actually am already thinking, I don't know if this is optimism or what it is, but I'm thinking Grimdark is going to be a dying breed in the next few years, and we're going to see a rise of stuff, sort of like we did in the 2000s, very light, optimistic things like lord of the rings was the big thing of the 2000s right um i also think we're going to see a rise of pirate narratives that's my prediction <laughs> i hope not because i am so sick of those goddamn johnny depp movies no it, i don't want johnny depp anywhere near anything oh and yeah, that's sure. actually a nice segue what we want into... is the bisexual pirates with, with the gray morality we oh all the bisexual pirates i that's all <laughs> i want in life ever all the bisexuals in general uh, uh, anything we can do for bisexuals um, that, that being said, we do have some positive news and looking forward to certain things and yada yada. So the first piece of exciting news, and I'm actually really hype about this, is speaking that- Speaking of bisexuals. Speaking of bisexuals, <laughs> there is a new podcast on Fandom Following. The three of us are not involved with the recording, but it is called Fem Slash Following. It is awesome. Our, uh, mm-hmm. s- what's the, what's the- term executive editor what's the editor-in-chief our editor-in-chief uh cory is the like i guess central host of it i think and then uh we've got two contributors gretchen and elizabeth you probably know them from super gore reviews gretchen writes about acedia that is the piece i read every week yeah, and, and um, they did the hundred the well. yeah, mm-hmm. they did the hundred retrospectives uh really really awesome uh just talking about fem slash talking about Lady loving lady media, just good, good, good stuff. Uh, it's a ball of happiness. So definitely check it out. They are on iTunes, I believe. Uh, you can also go to our website, Fan and Following, and look in the category thing. There's that menu at the top. You go to the podcast categories. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm doing a really good job of this. Can you tell I slept? <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm super happy about it. Let's talk about other things I'm happy about. I'm gonna uh, jump into the Netflix stuff because that's that's better pieces of news. Netflix um, is just stepping up. 
Like, just... Yeah, well... Case in point, Fuller House season two. <laughs> Hooray! Let's talk about banal optimism. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Fuller House... Fuller House is a freaking... It's just horrible. It's as if the writers were just, like, cryogenically frozen ever since Full House went off air, and then they were unfrozen, and someone was like, say the word fleek and write the show, and then that's what they went with. It's so Yeah, bad. pretty much. And uh season two's coming and like the only only hope any of us had was at least make Stephanie gay something or bisexual, I guess in this case. Yeah, I can but no, she's getting yeah, she's the, getting a boyfriend uh, for like the whole season from what I could tell from that preview. Uh, whoop de doo. Oh, can we talk about Luke Cage? <laughs> we yeah, let's talk about Luke Cage instead, because that that's still uh fairly recent just you probably are just yeah. finishing it up. It's awesome. Everybody go watch it. But also just, in gen- it, it, it's just, it is like generally just a great, it, it's generally just a great fucking show. Um, I should warn you guys though, like first download, if you haven't watched yet, um, before you watch it, download the soundtrack and listen to it about 40,000 times because the soundtrack and the show is so fucking good. Like I, okay, I want to make it, I'm not really usually into R&B, like modern R&B, like old R&B I like, but um. Newer army I'm not usually into, but, uh, like, it's so fucking good. And, um, there's just, like, so watch, listen to a million times because what'll happen is the soundtrack is so damn good that you you will get distracted and then totally forget what was happening in a scene because the music is so good. So listen to the soundtrack, like, 40 times until you get used to that music and then go watch it. Uh, That's kind of of funny. I didn't think about that. Like, it's like, I, I wish I were kidding, but like, it keeps happening to me where, um, where I can't like it, it just keeps happening to me. Like I had to watch the first episode several times. There's like this key, um, and I I mentioned on my Tumblr, there's this key scene where like two of the main villains are like having this conversation about this deal they're doing and it establishes so much, like the whole conflict and their relationship and all this stuff. And, uh, but like, I can't, uh, but I couldn't. I had I kept forgetting what happened because I couldn't pay attention to their conversation because of how good this one's these songs were. <laughs> it's you, a place you know, in a club, and it's the only so time good. I've ever had that happen to me. It, and I'm not saying Luke Cage's soundtrack is bad. I'm just saying it didn't happen for me with this. The only thing I've ever had that happen with is How to Train Your Dragon, mm-hmm. where I'd be really? like so just yeah. Well, I'd just be so distracted by the score that I couldn't like focus on anything else. My brain was just like going nuts with that. Seven and a half minutes, guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Luke Cage, that's, that's still recent. If you haven't checked it out, pick it up. Uh, other stuff that's coming, though. Um, Gilmore Girls, the year in the life. What's the official tagline? I forget. A year in the life, yeah. Yeah, it's like a six episode set. And that's going to be the conclusion to the show that Amy Sherman Palladino wishes she had written originally before she stepped away from the show. Because it's, it's terrible. So, (laughs) I'm cautiously optimistic for one reason paris geller has short hair and there's a little bit of coding going on there and the coding's been there from the start though oh my god she and rory are just so perfect i've been rewatching the show and i just like i can't i can't not ship them this is so bad this is so bad and i know it's not gonna happen i know it's not gonna happen but but at least just give me more fodder for fanfic anything so I'm excited about that a little bit. I'm yeah, also more just, fanfic fodder. Anything for fanfic fodder, I will take it. Um, The Crown just started on Netflix. Yeah, uh, I haven't been able to check it out yet, but I, it's really upsetting. Neither have I. Erin's first review up on our site seemed pretty positive. Very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, very positive, actually, because she was talking about how it's the balance of the personal and the political. I still don't know how I feel about it being about someone who's still alive. 
It's weird. I also don't know how I feel because I got I have really I guess because I just have really complicated feelings on the British monarchy in general. It's complicated. I mean, like I know I know at this point we have this feeling about the about Queen Elizabeth where we're like, oh, like you know she's so she works really hard and she's so cute and stuff like that. But there's just like so much that I'm I really hope it doesn't brush over a lot of the shit that's just inherent in the whole institution. And I and like I'm not like one of those row row anti monarchists. I'm not Morrissey, but like I don't know. Like I, I feel like there's a danger of it being. Her being, and her and the whole institution kind of being promoted under, like, the guise of feminism. Do you know what I mean? If that makes any sense to people? Suppose like, so. Because- I know, but, like, the thing is, like, about somebody who's such a public figure, it's just, it's kind of the, when you talk about, you know, more historical characters like Anne Boleyn, for example. I mean, like, Anne Boleyn as a literary character is just as valid as Anne Boleyn as a historical figure, even though sometimes those two things have nothing to do with each other. And... When that person is still alive, that's a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, but we have, like, the queen with Helen Mirren. Yeah. I mean, even um, that, like... like, I don't know. It's sort of how I feel when I read real people fanfic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit of that element. Um, then also, a series of unfortunate events is coming. Um, yes. Yay! You excited and about that? You're very concerned yes, I'm about very- the coding. I wasn't very concerned about the coding. I was reading something that was saying, why is Lemony Snicket Jewish coded? Because they gave uh, What's-His-Face a hook nose. The Baudelaire's are Jewish, though. Yeah, exactly. And nowhere, so in the okay? books, nowhere in the books does it say that he has a hook nose, so why are they coding him Jewish and not, like... Well, Lemony Snicket, I, I, I really Isn't don't Isn't he their like... uncle or something? It's it's complicated, but like okay, there's there's this it's it's okay. First of all, Lemony Snicket really isn't given any description in the book, like in the books, because he's just a nar- he's a narrator and like he talks about things he does, but it's it's like I am I'm really sick of the I, I, sometimes I think oh, the way they like apply this oh are they coding it this way is kind of insulting in a way yeah 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 because like, like they just picked they picked yeah. a good actor. Why are you focusing in on that? And I feel like if we didn't know the Baudelaire's were Jewish, that this wouldn't be an issue, and it kind of bothers me. Yeah, but they picked a good actor. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I see where both sides are coming from. I don't truly have strong feelings on it, despite being Jewish. So I'm just kind of like... Three minutes. Okay, first. let's watch it. <laughs> um, but that is just something that is like an undercurrent. Uh, and then yeah. the final piece of Netflix news is that Young Justice season three was announced uh, to, be- to make a lot of people very happy. <laughs> it's, it made a lot of yes. people happy, especially a lot of Legend of Korra fans. To be perfectly honest, I was just a click too old to be watching the show. I just I, I missed out on it. Uh, but I, I'm I'm good. And I was just gonna say I'm really happy for everyone, and uh, this kind of makes me hope that maybe Legend of Korra gets a book five on Netflix one day. Well, they have the graphic novels, the greedy. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I love lots of things Dick Grayson related, so that's part of my thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Now let's go to some shitty news. Uh, Johnny Depp is cast in Fantastic Beasts, and he is confirmed to be playing Grindelwald. Well, if he's going to be playing a complete asshole who likes to be mean to people, you know. No, well. like he doesn't get to play young gay Grindelwald. No. No, I, I don't like it. Isn't either. he like sixty? I, I like... Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. Grindelwald would be like thirty in this timeline, wouldn't he? Yeah, that yeah, and that's part of the thing that pisses me off just so very much because, like, okay, if they like, I there was a debate recently, and I'm going to bring the, I'm going to go into this a little more 
in a, uh, later in the show, but uh, there's this bit about, like, uh, the Xena reboot. And could Lucy Lawless play Xena? Like, why couldn't she fucking play Xena? Like, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger still playing the Terminator. And we can't have Lucy Lawless play Xena. And it pisses, like, I'm sorry, it just pisses me off this whole, like, thing. He's not, he's way too old for the part. And, like, I'm so sick of this. Like, I, I've, I've heard people talk talk my ear off about how Meryl Streep uh, it was too old to play the mom in Mamma Mia. And that was a terrible movie for a lot of reasons, but that wasn't really one of them. And I, I'm just so pissed and sick of this shit. He's not, and also, I'm so sick of, like, he hasn't had that much success. He 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 doesn't warrant a place. Like, you can say for Red, Eddie Redmayne is that he just won an Oscar. He's young, like, and hot, and he's just, like, this big, he's a really big deal, okay? But, like, Johnny Depp is over the hill. If he were a woman... If he were a woman, his career would have been over about, like, so long ago. He sucks. I'm just, like, the I, I, I'm not really won over by his charm at this point. I, he, I don't he doesn't have any charm left. He's gotten but, so gross and slimy. Yeah, I just... I mean, did we need more reason to be not excited about Harry Potter? Like, <laughs> seriously? My son is going to make me see it this weekend, too. Yeah, exactly. I... I wrote a whole article on this, and it's just, like, because we need more bad news about this franchise. It's not enough that there's, like, not going to be any black people in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, also, we got to pick the guy, the white guy who played Tonto as Grindelwald. <laughs> Why not? Like, I mean, go big or go home. <laughs> I, I just... I, I, <sighs> yeah. Uh, what about- I guess this is uplifting maybe michael keaton is going to be playing vulture in spider-man is that good news i have no idea i don't know i mean i, <laughs> I love michael, michael keaton i love michael keaton yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm for, yeah it's, good for- it's probably good news i don't know i'm kind of feeling frankie's article on superhero burnout to be honest no no i i i, I agree with that too and uh i just don't know how much i want to see another spider-man specifically like yeah especially yeah especially spider-man like it's it's, overdone like i don't mind it being part of the mcu like i'm glad he's finally part of the mcu again mm -hmm. but that is different i feel like um it's it's just it's so different for me uh like i i i don't mind him being part of an ensemble but he's already had two runs of movies and the last one was like two years ago i am tired yeah and and you know i'm lapping up supergirl so it's not really a condemnation of the genre i think it's just the execution and and marvel is really losing me on their marvely appeal yeah it's, at this it's, point it's also samey it's it's all samey and it's all um it's just not challenging anything it's just built on this it's still built on this kind of like worship of this like action hero mold and i'm sorry but i'm seeing that footprint in society now and it's not really flattering so <laughs> That's kind of what's pissing me off the most about it. I will, I will watch the shit out of Supergirls and, you know, give a middle finger. To when, the rest. when, when, like something that's not white guy comes out, we'll be more excited. Well, speaking uh, of, I, I guess, no, speaking of something white guy, because Wendy, you had some nice things to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel, I feel totally ashamed of this, and I want to make it clear to people, I. My feelings on this are under protest from myself because I uh, I didn't want to like this. And I know there's a lot of people out there who think that um, when we don't want to like something, we refuse to like it and we'll claim it's bad even though we don't want to like it. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who feel that, think we do that. It's not true uh, because I did not want to like this movie. And I only went to it, actually, because of... Um, 
And I only went to see this movie because, like, I had this extra thing on my Stubbs card. So I, I want to make it clear I did not pay for this. Um, but that being said, uh, Doctor Strange was really good. And I, I, I really don't like the fact that I had to say this, have to say that. And also Benedict Cumberbatch was good, which makes me feel even worse because I fucking hate him. I'm so sick of him. But he was really good in this. Um, I will say that I, one thing I do feel good about is that, like, I, I am still pissed about Tilda Swinton, and I have there's nothing to make me uh, question that feeling because she she brought absolutely fucking nothing to this role. So it was the racism. Like a lot of people want to claim, like, well, Tilda Swinton is such a good actress, which she is, and you know, like maybe she brought something to this role. I can confirm to you, she brought nothing to this role that any any other actor couldn't. Like, there's not any actor could have done what she did in this movie. Um, she, like, she was very underwhelming. Um, unfortunately, and I hate to say this too, because, uh, but, but, like, but the movie is good, and I I hate saying that, but I I do uh, urge you guys only, if you have, like, a free movie on your stubs card, go see it. Don't pay for it, because it's still doing the whitewashing. I only went, like, I, my friend wanted to go. I, I, I said, I'm only doing it because I don't have to pay for it, uh, in this case. And I still feel that way. Uh, it's, it's, it, but it is a good movie. Uh, go, see it when it, when it comes out, like, on pay-per-view or whatever, see it. Are we not excited about Wonder Woman? I'm oh, we are exci- I, I'm but excited. But we're talking, about Wonder we're talking awesome. with that about, we're talking about, about white guys. Hmm. So. <laughs> about white guys. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think Wonder Woman will help the whole superhero fatigue because, like, she doesn't have a penis? Well, it depends on how much involvement Zack Snyder's actually had. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's all about like, execution. I, I, mm-hmm. People people take a refreshing narrative. I think it doesn't really matter who stars in that. I think people will take a refreshing narrative, but we're not getting that. You know at what all. you know what I think I helped with this um with this one with Doctor Strange is the fact that he's straight up fucking disabled and they make that very clear. Uh like they don't sugarcoat it at all. Like what what fucking happened to him. Well, and that's not uh, meaningless, you know. Yeah, it's not meaningless. Like he his like it's very it's actually a fairly brief part of the movie. Although yes and no it is. Um because it's um he does and the other thing is that they didn't just give him magic powers and everything went back to normal. His hands still don't work properly at the end of it. At the end of the movie, which I I think is good really really good. Uh but like he's you know he's a surgeon and like basically his entire thing is that uh like he's amazing at what he does, but he can't do it anymore, and it seems like his life really can't carry on. And his only whole his whole thing is like is every the only thing that can be fixed is if his hands are fixed, and his, and that's just totally wrong. It's totally wrong. So that is a very positive thing about this movie. So we don't have the same exact thing this time. We have like a, it isn't just Tony Stark just gets a magic heart and he's fine. This guy like. They have, they have Stephen Strange like truly knocked out of how his old life was and having to learn to adjust. So that's something that really helped this movie. And it's actually, and it's not a complete downer either. It, it manages to be pretty funny and upbeat in a lot of ways. That's the other thing. I laughed a lot during this movie, and I didn't want to, but I did. But it's still racist, and Tilda Swinton had no business being there. Well, that on th- on that note, are are there any movies that you guys are excited about? Coming, coming up, I mean. Arrival. Yeah, I, 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 we've been seeing a lot of Amy Adams <laughs> lately, I like that. Else? Arrival. Yeah. Um, it looks cool. I like, I like aliens. I, I, I like lady scientists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. 
Well, that's nice. I, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Are we are we being lame for like, no, saying I, that? I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't really have an answer prepared for myself. I was just wondering. I mean, I was excited about Jackie, but like at this point, I have politics burnout. So mm. yeah, agreed. Oh, yeah. She's so relatable, though. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I think people were releasing that movie thinking that it would be viewed in a different context than it's mm-hmm. going to be viewed now. And I think we're going to be seeing good movies on the horizon. TV shows will respond first. But that's the new segment that we have for now. All right, guys. I think there's one thing we can all agree that we need this week and something that we have the skills to provide. This year. This year. Mm-hmm. Is 2016 over yet? Anyway, I think we can all use a little bit of escapism. Don't you agree? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, it's, well, and, and I, th- I think I want to really kill this, this notion too that escapism is selfish and it's blinding yourself to the reality because it's not. It's, escapism is self care and it's self preservation. Yes, exactly. And you need to I be able just to because have something, the lightness. Something is escapist doesn't mean it has to be mindless. You know, and yes, I there's, totally agree. there's positivity that can also be challenging. And case in point, I think is suggestion number one, which is Steven Universe. And if you want to feel better about the world and the human condition, just watch some Steven Universe because it is pure and it is perfect and it will make you think, but it will also make you have faith. And um, the answer, of course, is if you only can watch one episode, that the one that I would recommend, just... When you love people and you support one another, then you'll get through things. That's the answer. Wait, w- it's love. That's like, you know, if if I actually had to recommend one episode, I would recommend the test because oh, that's yeah. that's the one where like it's just yeah, it, it's just so I. That's the only one I've ever cried at, and oh, Steven Universe has like pushed pushed me towards crying a, a good amount, but. Mm-hmm. He tends to do that. Um, if I had recommended an episode, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's probably the one where they recover him, and we finally hear the end of "Love Like You." Uh, yeah, they recover. Like, he gets blown off into space. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. that's, yeah. If you didn't cry, Kylie, you're lying. We all yeah. cried. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I was reclumped, but I don't think I was crying. Oh, you were crying. You know, I didn't cry all. I didn't cry at all. Yeah, yesterday. it was just you just had something in your eye, right? No, no, no. Yesterday, I didn't cry at all. I just did. I didn't do it. I didn't cry. Oh, yesterday. oh, oh, okay. About yeah, yeah. About he who will not, who, who must not be named. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I get verklempt, and then sometimes I just cry at weird things, like when I watched Batman Begins, and I was crying. Yeah, I was like, um. I cried once when I listened to Lady Gaga's board this way, but I was really hormonal at the time, and I was on new birth control, so. <laughs> But no, watch Steven Universe. Truthfully, you could cherry pick any episode, and mm-hmm. as long as it's not that weird um, Uncle Grandpa crossover, it'll probably be or cat figures. I'm still not like I, I still have issues with cat figures. <laughs> know, but like, it, which is going to sound really ironic with what I come up. It's also yeah, really affecting. Like when he goes into the car wash, that was pretty affecting. I just, I'll just stop. Hey, stop. Julia, what else uh, do you escape into? <laughs> yes. Number two. 
nature documentaries. Um, if you know me at all, you know I have a bit of a weird thing for nature documentaries. Like, I will watch them over and over and over and over. Well, okay, and no, the weirdest part is that you'll just quote facts from them that are not necessarily related. <laughs> you'll just start talking and be like, did you know that pregnant leopards still hunt? And be like, <laughs> well then. Well, the the thing that I love about them is that, like... It has, like, a world without humans in it, but it's still a world with stories in it. And, I know, there's something comforting about just, like, facts as well sometimes, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, some people find math a very comforting subject because there's always an answer, you know? And it's it's the same kind of thing. Like, there's, there's no malice in anything. There's no, there's no, like, you know, nobody, like, when a tiger hunts a deer, it's not because he has any ill feelings towards the deer, you know? And... Also, like, David Attenborough has a great voice into it all night. Um, Doesn't he believe that, like, it would be better if humanity starved to death or something, though? I don't think so. I think I read that somewhere. Sorry, I, I just ruined everything. Um, no. If I ruined David Attenborough for anybody. No, he, or- he's my he's my secret old boyfriend. Um, okay. Number three is this little book that you probably all heard of called Le Petit Prince, which I have read right now in five languages. Don't judge me. But it's a story of this little prince-like character who lives on an asteroid with nothing but this extremely exploitative flower for company. And he decides to leave, and he kind of explores the universe, and he finds out that grown-ups kind of suck. And it's just... It's kind of like, it's a coming-of-age kind of thing, but it's also rejecting the notion that there's something wrong with still being childlike, right? And you should read it in French if you possibly can, because it's really good for learning. Yeah, that will help me. <laughs> I, I actually once bought a copy in an airport in Cuba and in Spanish, and I spent the entire flight home reading it. It was fun. Um, You're such a nerd. This is You just realized that about me. Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> Number four is my girl, Jane Austen. And if I had to recommend one thing of hers to read, it would be Mansfield Park. And if you have to watch Mansfield Park, only watch the 1983 BBC production because the rest of them suck. Okay? <laughs> I cannot emphasize this enough. Well, Mansfield Park is a, the story of a person who is good, who sticks to her convictions, who doesn't compromise on them, and then she gets rewarded. And I, I think that's a story that we could use sometimes. See, I was thinking you would recommend Emma. Emma is about learning. <laughs> it's about somebody who I, learns. I feel like that's that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with Julia on this one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. but like, just, just something about like Mansfield Park. That first of all, because nobody's like a lot of people just don't get it and don't appreciate it because they think Fanny is boring. But Fanny is strong in the real way, and there's oh. some mm-hmm. there's some values dissonance with her. You know, like uh, our idea of how like you know a strong woman should behave is not the way that the ideal of you know strong femininity was back then, but. Just because she's so strong and, and so brave and she doesn't, like, it would have been so easy, so much easy for her, so much easier for her to just, like, give in to certain things and just take the easy way out. But she never does that because she's just good. And, you know, it's it's no more complicated than that. Uh, number five, Lord of the Rings. Yes. If you want a distraction, you can just read the entire book from front to back. And if you have time, read the Silmarillion, too. Yes. And read all the appendices. And the Silmarillion's, like, way more badass than Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, but whatever. Yeah. And Silmarillion gets a really bad rap, too. It it does. But, I I mean, I would say Lord of the Rings is more digestible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Lord of the Rings is kind of, like, 
you know, it's, it's a universe that really evolved in the telling. Lord of the Rings kind of, you know, we have The Hobbit, which is just not just a book for kids, but it's a book for kids and it, the universe is just a universe that kids can really digest. And then you get to Lord of the Rings, it gets more and more expansive and Sam Lane, it's like, might as well be a real place, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, but you were saying in our new segment about how Lord of the Rings exemplified the kind of optimism of the 90s. 2000s uh, the, yeah. the, sorry the, the 2000s like the, the film series well, I mean well it was it was the light in the dark kind of mm, like yeah, exactly. well this okay is, there, yeah. there's an interesting theory about that because there was like a there was actually a big turn towards the grim dark during the 2000s I didn't it, it was a lot of post 9-11 stuff I mean declare I mean there's a nostalgia critic does a great point has a great point about this where she's like okay so here's 90s Batman and like they, she shows like Batman and Robin bat credit card and then here's 2000s Batman and shows the Dark Knight, and uh, it's and it's a good point. Like, there's, I mean, I think because um, like the nineties were great in a lot of ways. I mean, we had a lot of relief, and but with the two thousands, it was a really shitty time in America, and there was a point where we wanted to just feel better. Mm-hmm. And I think that like so people, in some cases, people made an effort to yeah. do that. That, that's kind of what so, I was saying more like yeah. that was like the conscious narrative of the 2000s and I think and like that's also what directed media for a few years to follow um like Avatar The Last Airbender their marching orders because they had met with a Nintendo executive uh, Nintendo oh my god a Nickelodeon executive and what mm-hmm. they had been told was we want it to be an epic because that's what was in right then that's what was doing well Mm-hmm. So I think I think it just depends because there's some that are reactive and then there's some that are more like directive, you know. Well, the thing like the thing about Lord of the Rings is that um, it is kind of optimistic, but not like sugarly optimistic. Like the ending is basically like things can turn out well, but a negative experience will always, you know, it will mm-hmm. it will affect you and it will change you and you won't be the same person afterwards. Mm-hmm. But there's still like, and that guys is why Frodo went off with the elves. <laughs> by the way, like let me well, like I remember reading the Mad Magazine spoof, and it was like no reason, no explanation given. Though there was a reason why. That was a good spoof, though overall. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, just like you know, there's there's hope, but it's not false hope, you know. And that's I I think that's what makes it like a more mature fantasy than really its reputation suggests and it's like the story like the story has its problems i mean with the like you know two female characters and all that stuff but um it's it's one of those stories that you can really immerse yourself in for like you know a very long time and can it can continue to be rewarding like even like you know 10 20 years after i read it and that's really like mark a very good story well george r R. martin says he rereads it every year yeah exactly and yeah it's it's the kind it's the kind of book that you can do that with and still like I kind of do that with Pride and Prejudice, and I still I still find new rewards in that text even after all this time. Um, and um, the next one is going to seem kind of random, but uh, I was going to write Pokemon, but I was like, you know what? No, Pokemon is too mainstream. Digimon, digital Why? monsters, because Digimon, digital monsters, Digimon well, has the power. When when I was when I was like you know in the nineties and Pokemon were really big, I was like, no, I'm not going to be into Pokemon. Everyone's into Pokemon. I'm going to be into Digimon. So I was, and um. The thing about Pokemon is that it has an actual story, unlike some other Mon-based animes I can name. And it's kind of, it's, it's, it's childish, but it's also like, it, there's enough there that you can really, you, you can immerse yourself and you, you can be emotionally invested in these characters. Um, the first season is definitely the best in my opinion. My, my son would disagree, but, uh, it's, 
really the one with with the best character arcs and if you just you know you just want to watch something with nice colors and kids being kids and you know little talking monsters definitely go for digimon and speaking of little talking monsters uh wendy this will make you happy my next suggestion is lilo and stitch i was i really wanted to put (laughs) i really wanted to put a disney movie on this list because you know disney everybody loves disney and it makes us happy like seriously people we cannot emphasize this one please watch this movie like oh my god but what i think made, made this movie especially appropriate this week is like you know this movie is about how we have to take care of each other and how you know we're stronger when we do that like everyone is stronger when somebody else we're stronger together and and they're yes exactly no just like taking care of someone makes you stronger just as being taken care of makes you stronger as well and um i know like there's there's like little things about this movie that make me so happy. Like they have the social worker character who turns out to be a great guy. You know, <laughs> like there's no there's no like bad bad guys in this movie. It's just like people who might not have the exact same motivations that you have at this particular time, but they all have their motivation is still like you know to do good to make everything as good as mm-hmm. they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, so my next two suggestions are less serious like they won't be nearly as edifying as my previous suggestions um, no they'll, they'll be more so <laughs> so number eight is this a uh, stupid little thing that was on canadian tv um <laughs> i love video on trial years. you can find it all on youtube yeah you, you can, can find most fun you it's called video on trial basically it is this panel of comedians just making fun of music videos it is stupid it will suck you into a black hole on youtube that you will not get out of for days Okay, Trevor <laughs> Boris. Trevor Boris is the man. Um, oh yes. Anything is anything to do with Lady Gaga? Like, uh, they will just leave you on the floor laughing. And they, um, the best episodes are the Canadian themed episodes by far because there's costumes involved. And then they, they have like decades episodes where they all dress up like as the decade. And it's just there's there's nothing like you know it will not make you a better person or give you any insight. But video on trial, watch it. And speaking of having no actual substantive content, Mary Kate and Ashley movies. I recommend the one, like the one that I've I've uh, actually written a piece on, uh, Holiday in the Sun. Like, just guys, I like I cannot just this movie is so stupid, and the entire thing is shot in Dutch angles. And there's Weezer in the like soundtrack. Like Earth. <laughs> yeah, there's Weezer in the soundtrack, and it's just it's almost as quotable as Mean Girls. I want to make it a thing, okay? We all have to watch this movie, and we all have to quote it and meme it constantly, okay? This is our plan. Kylie, do you want to recommend any other Mary Kate National movies? I know you know a bunch. Um, I mean, okay, for Escapist, you have to watch Getting There. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. If not, like, it's not hard to locate. But Getting There is the movie they made. I'm so sorry. After they, it was their Sweet 16 and they got their driver's license. And they celebrate, this is the year of the Salt Lake City Olympics. So they celebrate by having to drive across country to go see the Olympics because Ashley has a crush on a skier, I think. <laughs> um, and what about Passport to Paris? Well, oh, that's a good one. But but the, you, the, this movie, you don't understand how s- profoundly stupid it is. Like, but is it they filmed back up over treadles. 
I don't know about the Dutch angles, but this is the one where, like, at some point they end up, they're like, oh, fuck it, we have to fly to San Francisco and then we're gonna get there somehow. And then they fly to San Diego by mistake and they get off the plane in the San Diego airport and they go, we went to the wrong sand. Passport to Paris, though, Wendy, that's a really, I like that yeah. one. That's the one where they solve the French water crisis. I know. So it's about people doing good. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah and, and it, Winning it, it, London is about um, Model UN, and they they solve the weapons crisis too. I mean, is it yeah. is it like what do they call? It's not white savior when you go to Europe and you save somebody. <laughs> what is that? Um, it's American savior. I guess America. Fuck yeah! Actually, I don't know. you know what they they take on some serious enemies in um in pass in a. Our lips are sealed. They stop a jewel thief, and they have to go into the witness protection program. But they end up stopping them again. So good for <laughs> like, them. Mary can actually really resist yeah. quite. A few- I like that part where they go to op- they are put in Amish country, and so they're just like they're just okay, like shouted just- out. They're like we're not yeah, doing this. Shouted out so that they can. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know if that's offensive to Amish people or not. It probably is bad. We probably shouldn't like it, but still, like yeah. it's still pretty funny. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know, um, because I'm in PA, and there's, like, I always feel weird about the people who are like, we're going to go to Amish country for the weekend and, like, point at them. Like, okay. Yeah, like, ugh. Like, the the thing is, Holiday in the Sun is probably the best, too, just because there's so many pretty shots, Mm -hmm. and it's just soothing. That's true. And, and there's Weezer. You miss Weezer. Mm-hmm. And it's just nothing that's upsetting. There's like parents having an orgy. It's just nothing upsetting. <laughs> my last, my last suggestion is to write some fanfic. And like, the power of fanfic and like all really transformative, like if you're not into writing, you want to do fan art or something like that. Like the, the power of that, especially if you don't have a canon compliance fetish like I do, is that you can take a universe and just kind of make it whatever you want. You know, you want to fix the problem Lord of the Rings has with no women, just like, you know, make the hobbits female. Why not? Write a story about it. Just, you know, make make the world the way you want it to be, just for a little while in your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. like my fanfic's bringing me a lot of comfort because I'm just trying to in pretty much every fanfic I've written, I'm just trying to break down political institutions and make them make sense again. <laughs> See, I, I don't have your credit compliance issues, guys, but I do a lot of stuff that's about healing and yeah. also a lot of stuff with sex in it, which is always good. Never just... let anybody tell you that writing smutty, sexy smut sex is uh, in any way, like, or yeah, bad. Like, like, write like, it, do it. Write it, read it, share it. Like, we need And don't more... let anybody tell you that you're writing smut wrong or something. If you're exploring your sexuality, then you, you go people like you're awesome i like to uh, write conversations where like two people are talking cross purposes that's easy um and then also uh yeah and, and you could do crossover shit if you want like i i'm writing a crossover uh army of darkness evil dead and game of thrones thing right now yeah and, um, uh, so we're gonna be getting ian on the line like in a minute so how about um wendy what is your one favorite thing that you escape into Okay, all right. Um, shit. Uh, well, then I'm gonna get in, in trouble for this. Uh, cause like I, I, I feel like a lot of times when really shitty things are happening, I like to look into look into like really horrible stuff, horrible horror stuff. Like especially if it's got like a sense of humor to it. Um, and you can tell me all the time about all the problems with horror films and blah 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 blah. I don't care. I like to believe that the evils of the world are confined to serial killers and deadites, and that we can solve everything with a chainsaw. So, yeah, uh, right now, 
I, I've been the part of it was the Halloween season, but like that, it, I, I'm still in the that mood right now. Yeah, so I could see that. Yeah, and then if I had to pick one thing, it'd be Nintendo 64 games. But specifically, I'm in Majora's Mask right now, and narratively, it's about friendship and futility, and like it's just it's pretty thematically rich for any of the Zelda franchises, and there's just something so nice about being on an N64 console. (laughs) Alright guys, for segment number three, we have invited on our contributor, Ian. Hello. Hi, Ian. Hello, and welcome. We're very excited to have him. He writes a lot about comics, mostly. And very good in-depth insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little in awe, frankly, of your encyclopedic knowledge oh, of these you. things. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're we're gonna let you take it away. But uh, from what I understand, you want to chat a little bit about lady superheroes. Well, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, with uh, the all the Marvel movies that are out now, uh, and people are clamoring for them having a female character. You know, headline their own movie. Obviously, Wonder Woman's coming out. Uh, Supergirl's doing very well. Yes, yes. as it should be. Supergirl's <laughs> yeah. everything right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so good. And Captain Marvel will be here and, someday. And Alex came out as the big, giant, glorious lesbian she was always meant to be, which is nice. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that aspect. Are you hopeful about Wonder Woman? Because I'm not that well-versed in Wonder Woman, like the, the print comics. Uh, I'm the only one here who is, by the way. Yeah, we're noobs. <laughs> <laughs> From what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be good. I mean, obviously I want it to be good. So, I mean, anybody can tell with trailers. It, you know, trailers, oftentimes they look really good and then the movie isn't that good. I know, my concern with the trailer is it seems that her love interest has a much bigger role than I think a love interest would have in the opposite gender situation. Uh, yeah. Well, again, it's hard to say. It's hard to, you know, they edit trailers often to highlight maybe the love interest or maybe. something like that. That's it's hard to tell really how much he's going to be in it. Mm. Um, the biggest concern that I have is with the New 52 run, with Brian Azzarello's run. They did quite a bit to change her origin, and it was not not really to my liking. I guess not <laughs> to a lot of fans' likings, but uh, she was changed from... It, like, it, I, I have really mixed feelings on the whole Brian Azzarello run. See, like, one of the things I always... Uh, one of the things, my favorite Wonder Woman stories are is where she's dealing with, like, Greek god uh, politics. And that's where I think she always works best. Uh, but, like, part of the, whole, the whole thing with Zeus and just... It was just... It was just all too much. And the problem is, is that, like, we it was it was so shortly after Gail Simone's run for me mm-hmm. that, uh, like, it was just done... Like, I feel like Gail Simone respected the... Uh, respected the legacy of it a lot more. But, like, at the same time, I liked Brian Azzarello's stories. So I was a little bit torn. What What is it about the, her origins that they changed exactly? Why did it upset you so much? Well, they changed... Originally, um, I mean, the Amazons are all women, as you, as you probably know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, her original origin was the, the queen of the Amazons, Hippolyta, had, had wanted a daughter so badly. I'm, I'm sorry? Am I Hippolyta. saying that wrong? Sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I always just kind of it that I'm, way in my I'm, head. I'm, I'm really sticky about this. I, I once like lost my shit at Julia because uh, because she thought Wonder Woman was an alien. So I'm just a little bit. <laughs> 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 I, 
I did. I did. I did. I, I am not proud of it, but I did. <laughs> I mean, it's a simple mistake to make. She's so much like Superman. I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the Queen of the Amazons wanted a daughter, and uh, enough of that. Uh, and uh, refresh my memory, which which goddesses it was. It was uh, Aphrodite. Well, and... it depends on which age you're going with, uh, because. Um, like, in the original, like, Golden Age comics, like, the, the patron of the Amazons, the creator of the Amazons, was, in fact, uh, Aphrodite. <laughs> but, uh, like, it was a general thing, like, a lot of the different gods, especially the goddesses, gave, imbued the, the clay infant she made with gifts. And then in Silver Age, it became a little bit more broad. But, um, let's see, I'm trying to, and then, uh, like, she, she got more abilities, in that one, uh, in, in the Silver Age. So basically, like, she, uh, Hippolyta, like, the Amazons were, uh, basically up against Hercules, Heracles, um, and then Heracles, and against the forces of Ares, and then Heracles stole the Golden Girl, and they lost their powers for a while, were in bondage, but then they came back and fought off Ares and his forces, and then, but they got secluded, and then, because they were secluded from the rest of the world, they couldn't have children anymore, even though they had eternal life. So, Hippolyta formed a little child out of clay, out of the sands of, um, out of, uh, Themyscira. And from that, the gods gifted Diana with, like, gave, gave this little child, like, all these powers, um, all these abilities to make her, like, the greatest of all the Amazons. And, um, that was basically how that went about. And there was some really interesting stuff Gail Simone did with that, too, because, like, the clay of Themyscira, the spirit of it used to be evil, and then it turns out it's her father, and there's all sorts of crazy shit going on out there. Read War Killer, people. Read War Killer. It's awesome. Uh, but, yeah. I, I didn't need the Zeus shit with that. <laughs> well, there's the Zeus stuff, Sorry. and the, there's the Zeus stuff, and then there's the stuff with, uh, the Amazons taking shipwrecked men and bearing children by them and then murdering them. Yeah, and like that not was not fun. necessary. Like, I, it, it, like, what? I, what? <laughs> yeah, like, okay, there was, there was stuff about, like, shipwrecked people and, like, Steve Trevor's uh, plane crashed on Themyscira and that has always been the whole thing with him. And then there was this thing about, like, little orphan children uh, being rescued by the goddess of the seas in Themyscira and lore. But it was never like, but it was never like that. There was, like, even with the historical Amazons, it was always that they just had sex with these men in other neighboring villages and kept the girls and sent the boys away. Like, there was never this stupid shit at that. Brian as a tends to take things and do the HBO version of them, so. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is there any uh, indication of which direction the movie might be going with that? Um, I heard from someone that in the movie she is going to be the daughter of Zeus, but I don't know how much further they're going to go with that origin. I, I I never liked her as the daughter of Zeus. I, I don't know why. I've always disliked it. I I don't like the idea of her having it. Like, I, I was about to say a godfather, but that, <laughs> that would have been a little weird. Um, yeah, so I guess what... Are, in in the context of that, you know, my my fear when it comes to female superhero movies are that they try to make like too much of it that it's the female, and like they they try to they they pander, you know, they go too far, and it kind of swallows up any actually engaging narrative. 
So I guess I guess my concern with Wonder Woman is that it might go a little bit in that direction. Yeah, that that's definitely possible. Like I've like I'm just worried it's going to end up like Sucker Punch. <laughs> What's wrong with Sucker yeah, Punch? <laughs> is involved. Uh, everything. Anyways, sorry, but everything is wrong with Sucker Punch. I'm sorry. I just have this uh, shameless love for that's uh, not some of the action sucker scenes punch. of Sucker Punch. I what is it? Happen. What is it exactly um, you think about this particular iteration of Supergirl and Wonder Woman that have the most chance of being successful? Because you know there was this Supergirl movie in the '80s, which was a hot mess, and there was that hmm. Wonder Woman pilot that was just just so inexplicably just I could not believe how horrible it was. What is it? Do you think about that they're doing right lately that makes these successful? We don't we don't know that DC's doing it right yet. <laughs> well, she seems to have been the it. one good thing about Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Well. Okay. So one of the things about Supergirl, I'm sorry for bringing in on this, but that like they had like five different scripts that they all cobbled together and couldn't decide what kind of movie they wanted to make, and that tends to happen a lot with the, these movies. Um, and they try to do too much. Like one of the things they really with the Wonder Woman pilot is that the ridiculous things they did to her character there. Where there was, she literally had three different identities. She had two secret identities. I'm not, like, and three different jets for no reason. And it was just so stupid. And, uh, and they try to do just so much stupid shit. And it's amazing that Supergirl, the show, turned out as well as it is. Because she's never, she's always had, like, 50 different origins. Yeah, well, because she's kind of a hard character to reconcile in general. Because how mm-hmm. does she, how does she fit in with the Superman narrative? But... I don't know. I know. Is the problem, is the problem that, like, Wonder Woman seems to be a section to this, uh, a, a bit of an exception to this, but fe- these female characters have always been, like, connected to male characters in that way, like, the way Supergirl is connected to Superman, and, you know, Batgirl is connected to Batman in that particular way, where it's, it's very consciously a distaff counterpart to a male character. And, I don't know, do you, do you see comics in general and in these particular iterations moving away from that in any way? Because even in the second season of Supergirl, like, there's Superman. Like, oh, he's back. Right? I mean, she's definitely a Ms. Male character to start mm-hmm. with. Of course. I mean, that's how she began. Uh, and as you said, Supergirl's been... Somebody said Supergirl's... There have been a lot of different Supergirls in the comics, some better than others. Um, yeah, we won't get into that. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a long history there. Yeah. And, then, and also, like, with one of the most famous uh, events or comics in DC Comics history... Like, literally, if you, like, one of the most important things ever was Crisis on Infinite Earths. And literally, if you buy a copy on Crisis on Infinite Earths, so it's just basically the book that defined the DC universe for the last, like, 37 years. Um, it's that, uh, like, it's literally Superman carrying a dead Supergirl in his arms and screaming out in anguish. Yeah, that's a, a pretty famous cover of, of one of the issues, yeah. It's been parodied a bunch of times, too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But she's, she's never been literally stuffed in a fridge, has she? <laughs> no. Uh, no, that, that was, that was Green, uh, that was Green Lantern's girlfriend. I yeah, don't remember which Green Lantern. That was Kyle Rayner's girlfriend. It happened right at the beginning yeah. of Kyle Rayner. Oh, lovely. I think yeah. comics are moving away from the Miss Male character thing to a certain extent. I mean, a lot of the legacy characters still exist. Yeah. But, I mean, the new Ms. Marvel isn't really connected to anybody. Um, yeah, it's not doing and it's off. It's doing great, and it's just generally great. They've even they've even done some stuff like um, America Chavez, uh, who was Ms. America once. Um, 
she, like, she's been separated from that quite a bit, because, like, Miss America is basically, at one point, basically supposed to be, like, a distaff uh, Captain America, and no. Like, that's not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm talking over you, Ian. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. You know more about Wonder Woman than I do. <laughs> huh. I just, um, re- I was just recently rereading the post-crisis origin where they kind of retold that story. So I was a little, uh, muddled Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting when you go into the origin, because it's not like Wonder Woman's oranges aren't just interesting for the sake of the story, but like all the background to it, because if you read about Charles Moulton, and like, like, okay. So if you read Charles Mol- about Charles Moulton or William Moulton Marston, as his real name was, um, he was okay. His, so his wife was the first woman in America to hold multiple advanced degrees, um, and together they invented like um, I think I don't think they invented the polygraph machine, but they invented something very similar to it, like some kind of blood typing thing that like revolutionized the field, uh, basically helped forensic evidence become a thing. And, um, and, but they also like lived in a polyamorous relationship with this other woman. And William Moulton Larson was really, really into bondage. Like if you, like if you look at the old one wrong comments, there's tons and tons of bondage and, um, people think it's just merely a sexual thing. But a big part of that was, you'll notice that like a lot of time it was about giving into a loving authority. And one of, uh, Marston's favorite things his to do was be tied up by one, uh, one of his wives, I guess, who, by the way, were together at, well after his death. So it was like it was actually like a real mutual polyamorous marriage. And uh, the whole thing about Wonder Woman's Golden Lasso tied into like their work as um, as like in the field of like criminal investigation and psychology, because he and his wife were both psychologists. Um so, like, there's all this really interesting stuff with Wonder Woman, but when he wrote it, like, he generally, genuinely did set out to rake a feminist hero. He even used the word feminist back in the 40s and uh wanted to make sure that girls felt strong because he noticed that girls didn't feel good about being girls. Um And, of course, there's still tons of sexism and bullshit there, but there there is a point where she, she is actually an independent character, uh, even though people like to say she's just like Superman. And then... But and but I, I I do want to say that a lot of the distaff counterparts are just such great characters in their own right. So so often like I'm sorry, but Barbara Gordon is genuinely just straight up one of my favorite comic book characters, and I I will live and die by Barbara Gordon. Uh, now, did you like did you like that they brought her back as Batgirl when New Fifty Two came, or did you like her better as Oracle? It's not like here's the the problem with that is that like the way she became Oracle is just so fucked up. But at the same time, I understand what people were saying about like her about the possible ableist implications of that. I love her as both. Um, obviously, I loved Birds of Prey. I loved um, I, I love Birds of Prey. I loved her as Oracle. I still love like my favorite parts of the Arkham games are talking to our some of my favorite parts of the Arkham games are talking to Barbara uh as Oracle in uh but at the same time like I still loved seeing her back as this Batgirl even though like I still I would like to see Stephanie Brown take over that again um I wouldn't mind seeing her back in the Oracle thing if we could get like Stephanie Brown to be Batgirl uh it, it's really more about Barbara herself like regardless of which role she takes, like, because Barbara herself is such a strong character 
that it, it, it doesn't really, there's not really one I prefer more. Yeah, the, the new runs of, uh, and it's kind the, of my whole Rebirth, point. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the Rebirth runs of Batgirl and the Batgirl Birds of Prey are, are both really good and I, I really like Barbara in the role a lot better now than I did even in the new 52 because she's kind of both. She's kind of this awesome detective and she's Batgirl who mm-hmm. could go out and, and fight and everything. So she's kind of a better detective than Batman sometimes. Yeah, no kidding. And like, I mean, she's also got like, she also like reaches out for help. She's still got like a lot of people helping her and everything. Like one of the things I love is her relationship with Black Canary. Um, in the, in these, uh, in the books right now. And just in general, like, because they've, they've really done a lot to make sure she has her own journey. And the same thing with Batwoman, too. Um, is it like, so that discount, discount, uh, discount counterparts these days don't bother me so much because they've done so much work in making these characters so great. Well, I think there's, like there's said, something like, oddly liberating about, like, how comics, like, if something doesn't work out, you can just, do a new continuity, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they, no matter how much they fuck something up, there's always the hope that they can just do it again better. And Captain America the Hydra, Adrian. Oh, no, it was just... No, I'm just kidding. It was just a mind control delusion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, th- there's not a lot of media where you can get away with shit like that, you know? Yeah, it's funny because the, the original Batgirl, like, way back in the Golden Age, was just mm-hmm. kind of brought in to dispel any of those Batman and Robin being gay together rumors, so they just brought her in. And to so be... was Batwoman, which makes it all so gloriously ironic that she's such a giant, glorious lesbian. <laughs> and I, by the way, I will use the term giant, glorious lesbian several times in this podcast. <laughs> um, because I love saying it. Uh, and you love hearing me say it, admit it. Uh, I don't, to get, Away from DC, why haven't we had a Marvel movie with a female lead? Like, what are they waiting for? They're so tightly controlled is one thing. Uh, they're, I think, ironically enough, I think the ties to Disney might have something to do with it. And also, like, just the general weird shit they have going on with, had going on with 20, 20th Century Fox, I think was definitely a factor. What, like, with the rights, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even then, like, you know, look at the success of the Avengers and just just the first Avengers. You don't even need to go past that. Why didn't we have Black Widow coming out of it? No, that's the question everyone's asking, really. Yeah, like, <laughs> why don't we have a Black Widow movie? Well, there's rumors that they're, they're working on that. There's yeah, been there's rumors, been rumors since, about it. Yeah, there's been rumors since Avengers first came out. But I am glad that, like, you're here, Erin, because I forgot how much I, like, wanted to talk about comic books on this show. Um, ha- have you been keeping, I'm sorry, but, like, um, have you been what, uh, reading, uh, Ms. Marvel? No, I dropped completely off of Marvel when Civil War II hit, and there were all these tie-in uh, books. Well, and I just stopped I completely. Mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I am genuinely fucking sick of fucking everything Civil War related. But I, I do recommend p- pretty much everybody to um, read it. It, it. It's it's so good. It's so funny. And it, it's it's a perfect, like, and it's very hopeful. And it's a perfect, like, book for this generation, too. It's a young adult. Like, it's very much a young adult series, but it's a very, it's not cliched at all. Not, like, it's not the sort of young adult stuff we see a lot of. Um... 
and Kamala Khan is just such a fucking cinema and roll. Uh, and I just want everybody to read it. Um, now, I, I did pick up the latest uh, issue, the one that came out that does not have any Civil War II stuff on the cover. So, and I, mean, I did, I did really of, enjoy like, that a lot, one, of, so. a lot of the graphic novels, like the collections and everything, came out before Civil War II. So I totally just recommend that you just read it. Yeah, I read the whole first um, run up to Secret Wars, and then mm-hmm. I just kind of fell off with Marvel. Um and I bought the first trade. I haven't got around to reading it yet. But then when Civil War II came out, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to read Rebirth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's been some controversies with Rebirth, but there's a lot in there that's just very, very interesting. Also, can you like, can you just tell these girls to read Bombshells? If I hope you've been reading it. I have not got around to reading Bombshells yet. Oh my I'm sorry. God. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh. I know if we, if we get Griffin on here, he's gonna be <laughs> not stopping yeah. to talk about. That. Um, related to that point, Ian, like for you know, um, comic book neophytes like myself and Kylie, and I know a lot of our listeners are also comic book neophytes who mm-hmm. are kind of concerned about you know approaching comics in a way that is positive for people of a feminist persuasion, such as ourselves. So where where do you recommend we start? And, you know, what... Yeah, I'm just lost, honestly. Um, well, I mean, DC Rebirth isn't that old yet. There's a lot of uh, places you can jump on. The first set of, like, collected volumes are going to come out in the next couple months. Um, I definitely recommend the new Wonder Woman. It, it It's sort of a restarting. Uh, Greg Ruck has taken over, and he is kind of rewriting her origin, like, without... With, without Again. Well, I mean, without without completely erasing everything. Like, he's acknowledging the stuff that happened in Azarella's run, but also, she's sort of thinking, like, I don't know where I really come from. There's lies, and I have to figure out what's the truth. And the first arc isn't quite over yet, so I don't know how that's going to resolve itself, but she sort of realizes there's this duality, and she's trying to figure out which is the real one, so it's it's interesting. And at the same time, uh, that's the odd-numbered issues. The even-numbered issues are going way back to when she first came to the world of man, or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, away from Themyscira and telling kind of her origin, her history, at the same time as they're telling this more modern story, yeah. and they're alternating back and forth, and they're both really good. The, the movie does seem like it's going to be an origin story as well, right? There's, like, World War One happening and all that stuff. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was originally World War Two. Like, we got to see, her, like, we got to see her, like, punch. Oh, my God, I'm just remembering some Was there, like, Nazi punching? Guys, is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, Nazi punching, but, oh, my God, like, guys... <laughs> Seriously, Golden Age Wonder Woman is such a fucking head trip. There is, like, one of the first books we we see Hitler, and he's literally... And keep in mind that what I said about William Molson earlier was that he was in a polyamorous relationship with two women that was genuinely polyamorous. Like, those two women were together as a couple well after he died. But literally, there's a bit where Hitler is literally licking carpet. It's just because he's supposedly going so insane. I, I don't get it. I, like, it, it's just, there's so much shit like that in Golden, like, Julia, I think you might, your head might explode a little bit if you read Golden Age Wonder Woman because William Martin Molson didn't know jack shit about Greek myth. Um, <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it's painfully obvious that he didn't know jack shit about Because, um, he has, they basically, Amazons came about because God Ares was destroying everything and so his great, uh, competitor slash enemy or whatever, Aphrodite. His wife? 
Afro as in Afro, no. like the hairstyle. No, no, they were, they were, no, 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 Aphrodite, Aphrodite, no, Aphrodite was his lover. No, she was she married was to Hephaestus. Yeah. yeah, Hephaestus in the game. Um, yeah. But I, I, I really wish I were kidding when I'm telling you this. Uh, she created the Amazons to combat his forces of evil. And it is just like, I remember reading that and I was like 13 and I was just like, my head was just exploding. So, Rebirth, Wonder Woman, and Golden Age, Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> I don't, does, does, uh, Batgirl and, like, Supergirl, do they have, like, their own kind of, um, arcs beyond? Oh, Batgirl, yeah! Barbara Gordon, yeah. Batgirl? Or, or, Hell yeah. yeah! Well, yeah, keep in mind, there's Batgirl and Batwoman. Okay, there's Batgirl right. and Batwoman, and they're completely different. But, like, Barbara Gordon, like, Barbara, well, it depends, actually, it depends on which Batgirl you're talking about, but actually all of them are pretty well. Yeah, I, I don't have to, like, read every one. single, like, Superman issue and, like, kind of, yeah, construct a Batgirl narrative out of that. It's not, she's not, no, like, in the background. At all. Or, but yeah. I think a good place to start with Batgirl would be to go back to the end of the new 52 run with the Batgirl Burnside. Batgirl Burnside. Where, where uh, where Babs Tar took over. I really like mm-hmm. that run. Julia and... Julia and all our listeners, I, I, I recommend you just read everything <laughs> and anything that Gail Simone has ever written. Okay. Especially with Wonder Woman. Uh, that is a very good place to start. Um, like, it may, uh, cause she did the great run of Birds of Prey. She handled, uh, Barbara when Barbara was, um, like Oracle through Birds of Prey. She did, like, she just did amazing shit with all these characters. She did amazing shit with Wonder Woman. Um, she does, she did great stuff with Batgirl, um, after Barbara took up the cowl again. I, I would just generally recommend that in a big way. Um, but yeah, seriously, like, uh, but there's also a lot of stuff with like Stephanie Brown as Batgirl. Stephanie Brown was awesome. Um, Stephanie Brown was very good, s- yes, yes. Um, just, yeah, I mean, Stephanie Brown, like, you want, like, um, Julia, with Stephanie Brown, her whole thing was that her father was this mobster, and so she, independently of anybody, like, took up this, this, uh, identity of a superhero called the Spoiler, where she'd foil her father's mobster plans, and then she eventually, uh, she, she was the Spoiler, and then, um, and then, and, oh my god, it gets, it, it, and like, so what, eventually, um, Bruce takes her on as Robin because of her work in that regard. And it's so, um, and so she just generally kicks, uh, and, and then eventually she becomes Batgirl, but there's a point where she's actually pregnant and she's a pregnant teenager superhero. <laughs> that sounds, so I'm sorry. <laughs> sounds like a story. No. Yeah. Uh, what about on the other side, you know, the Marvel side? Where can I start there if I want some female superheroes? Um, definitely Ms. Marvel. The new one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kamala Khan, Ms. Yeah. Marvel. Yeah. There have yeah. been others, right? And then Spider-Gwen is good, yeah, too. Yeah, well, there's Carol Danvers, but she's Captain Marvel now. Oh, okay. Um, she, yeah. Uh, but there's, there's, but, ah, uh, let's see. Right, <sighs> like, I mean... Well, I really like the run of Spider-Gwen because you don't really have to know oh. 616 continuity because she's kind of in her own universe all by herself. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's allusions all, to other characters, but you don't need to know everything to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, if you're looking for, 
Right now, there's one I'm kind of getting into. It's sort of this uh, steampunk thing, and uh, it's it's in a, it's an indie book. But uh, Lady Mechanica, I would recommend that anybody if people look up that book. That is great. Um, let's see. Um, you could also go with Faith uh, in the Valiant Universe. Faith mm-hmm. is really good. Um, she comes from a team book in Valiant, and you don't you don't really need to know a lot about the team to get into her solo book because she sort of sums up where she came from right at the beginning and then just runs with it. So yeah, you just had mm-hmm. a piece on this, right? Yeah, yeah. So we will link that for sure. Squirrel Girl is pretty fun too, uh, and you could also do it from like a lot of group books if you go to like. Because, like, uh, the, one of the things with the Marvel Universe that makes it particularly convoluted often is how freaking, uh, how almost everybody's a mutant. Yeah. And how, and if you're not a mutant, you're, you know, you're tied up in that. So, Ian, any closing thoughts? Um, closing thoughts? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just. Uh, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make ourselves a comic book podcast. <laughs> Just, I know there's a million. Oh, of those, okay. Just, well, don't need us anymore. I'm gonna have to go back and read a lot more Golden Age stuff if I'm gonna keep up with you. <laughs> well, I don't care. Like, I, I actually don't keep up with a lot of the new issues of stuff. So you could handle the new stuff. I could handle the older stuff. You know. <laughs> oh, oh. You know what's you know what's a great what's great books? Go back to like the old. Um, well, it's called the New Teen Titans, Julia. But the old books, the old the New, new Teen, Teen Titans. Titans. Yeah. All right. And wow. also, also Spider Woman, Spider Woman, uh, Je- uh, Jessica Drew, Spider Woman. Okay. Well, that, awesome. I mean, we will we will consider diving in. I think uh, I think Griffin might kill me if I don't start with uh, bombshells, but yeah, but that, will... it's a totally different continuity. So yeah, no, I know. So, but lots of good suggestions. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for being mm-hmm. here and taking the time to chat with us and apparently have strong opinions about things about Wonder Woman, which I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Ian. Okay, well, now that we've talked about, we talked a little bit with Ian about, uh, like, younger superheroes and re-origin stories and things like that, but I want to talk about women of a certain age <laughs> and tropes that surround them. Yes, with trope busters. And, uh, unfortunately Ian couldn't be with us, uh, for this segment, but, um, it does allow us to, um, uh, to discuss some, because I want to talk about not only, um, just awesome old ladies, which is one of my favorite topics ever. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, just a lot of the stuff that you see surrounding female characters once they are over 35. And, <laughs> 35. Uh, yeah. It's generous. Uh, I'm gonna be 30. in trouble soon. <laughs> Sometimes 25. Uh, especially like one that really fascinates me is that the, um, the single woman or the older woman who's desperate to recapture her beauty and how often that is, or keep her beauty or whatever. And how often that is a factor into it. And also just, uh, like the, the idea that also that older mothers can't be, whether you're a married woman and you're older, you can't be a badass then. Um, and, or if you're a single woman and you're older, uh, it's suspicious. And that shit goes ba- all the way back to like witch trials and shit. <laughs> which is not great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any, well, so I, I think we could start off with some, like, badass 
uh, older female characters for you guys to look up just in case you're feeling depressed about this. Absolutely. Uh, villains and heroes alike. Mm-hmm. And one, uh, I, one I want to talk about who I didn't really get to talk about much in my, uh, original list, which we will be linking is Mom from Futurama. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about, yeah, one of the things I freaking love about Mom is that she, uh, she's a villain, but it, none of it's about being hotter. It's just about pure ambition and world takeover. She wants right. to look more dowdy and homey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but it's not just that, like, I mean, like, but, it's not even that, like, so much. It's just that, like, she is a supervillain for the reason why every male supervillain would be a supervillain. Because she wants to take over the world. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, yeah, that's it. And I fucking love that. <laughs> and I, I, I love that about her so very, very much. And I can't, uh, and I, I, I can't even begin to, like, that's one of my favorite things about her, really. Is that she is a supervillain for exactly the same reason anyone else would be a supervillain. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Like, it's, um, you know, it's not a very high bar to clear. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that is such a hard, uh, yet, and, and, and there's nothing about her wanting to be hotter or anything like that. Like, think about, about almost pretty much every female villain and that, like, we see in a lot of popular culture, especially in the fantasy genres, and that's usually their goal is to be hotter or younger, hotter, younger, whatever. Like, she, like, she, like, well, I just like that she puts on this, like, fat suit and then, like, <laughs> holds up pecan clusters and that's her, yeah. you know, that's her, her change strategy. Her right. little change first. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why, if, if you're losing money from the, uh, the spike in gas and spike in gas prices, then why are you reporting, uh, why are you recording record profits the first time? Well, try some of my pecan plus. <laughs> uh, oh I like how she weaponizes that, like a lot of the stereotypes about women of her age. And I like that too. And um, so she's a great villain. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, then in terms of heroes, uh, there's always Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Og. <laughs> uh, Granny Weatherwax is awesome because she doesn't like really like people. She will just do what she doesn't care about being liked, and she will just do what she needs to do just to get things done. Uh, Nanny Og is awesome for a number of reasons. One of which is that she likes to fuck, and she makes no qualms about it. <laughs> I think um, old pe- I think old people having sex is a really important narrative. I'm not even kidding about that. Yeah, like, it is. It is. It is. Like, we can't de- we like when you start to get to the age where you just like assume everyone's desexualized. Like that's that's dangerous, you know. I yeah, old ladies it's, f- it's, need it's to be terrible. get their get their freak on. And it's not just treated as a joke. Like, no, she just it, it's a huge part of her, Nanny Og's character is that she's freaky. Um, and it, it, it <laughs> often leads to like her them getting the advantage in in a number of things. Um. And, and they, that these two characters are not, they're together and they're always in a, co- a coven and they make a very big point about like, um, in a witch's cut. Co- yeah, in the third, uh, like in the triarch that a coven is supposed to be, there's supposed to be a maiden, a mother, and a crone, or they call it the other one. But like, they, <laughs> it's constantly subverted in the Discworld books. And then on top of that, um, the way, like, Grady Weatherwax doesn't have an interest in people very often, unless it's just doing her job as a witch. And then uh, Nanny Og loves people and also loves to fuck, but it's not presented as some kind of virgin whore thing, which mm-hmm. is great. And it's with two older women. Like, it subverts the shit out of everything. So they're awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just generally fucking... I, I, I like that sort of thing. Um, 
I'm sure Zach is going to be very happy to hear me bring up uh, the the fairies from uh, Sleeping Beauty. The feminists, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Fairy, and they're single mothers, and well, not single. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> They've got each other. There's no dick. There's no. There's no. There's no hot dog in that. In those buns, is what I'm saying. No. Uh, no, not in that case. Yeah. And uh, also, the Golden Girls are awesome. I, 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 I urge everybody to go and watch Golden Girls clips on YouTube. If you want to fall into the YouTube hole, they just are. do that, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any uh, examples you guys want to bring up? Are we, are, we're just talking like old, old ladies at this point, not yet the other Tropester uh, ladies? Can, we, uh, we, we'll get, we can talk about Tropester ladies a little bit later, but like old, old ladies. First. You had her, you had her in your piece with the awesome old ladies, uh, Maria Martel, who likes to defenestrate people. Uh, yes. She's, will never not be awesome. I don't care what anyone says. And, um, the universe also has, like, um, Elena Redwin is interesting to me because the way that she uses the whole, like, you know, doddering old lady thing to her political advantage. Uh, and, yeah, those would be the two that come off the top of my head for a song of ice and fire. Oh, also, Sugar Mama from the Proud Family is awesome. <laughs> uh, but has she ever defenestrated from... anyone? Yeah, well, she? she? Yeah, she has. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, you don't understand. Have you watched the Proud Family no. at all? Okay, well, you, yeah. Well, if she's, she's defenestrating people, I'm all for her. Yeah, yeah. She's she's just she she's just genuinely the best. Yeah, uh, the one that's coming to mind, and she's she's not, like, really old or anything, but she's, you know, retiree age and a grandma, is Emily Gilmore, because I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls. And, yeah, she's, like, a little on the young side for this, but she still is in that role, I think, that, like, you, well, I think that you see a lot of, like, older women taking. And I just like her fallibility. They kind of made the mistake of making her a little super villainy in the first season. I mean, you know, for... They do that a lot with older women, though. Well, for, like, you know, Gilmore Girls, who's not super villains, but, like, they, they ended up giving her a lot of vulnerability and a lot of her own agency moving forward. And even though her scripting kind of became this, like, hot sack of garbage like everyone else's eventually did, when they had her right, which I would say was up through season four, she was, like, it was really moving, the tragic similarities she had with Lorelai, their, like, inability to kind of communicate the hurt, the pride, the issues she was going through with Richard as he was facing this kind of, like, uh, ageist throwaway culture and how she was reconciling being the housewife and all that. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd put her in. Um, also, is anything Jessica Walter plays? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, guys- yeah, like Lucille Bluth or Mallory Archer, I don't care. Just she is the greatest for like horrible monster women who are just badass. Yeah. Uh like are just so amazing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I wanna be Jessica Walter when I grow up. Apparently she's like super nice in real life. She's the opposite. Um, yeah, I'm sure of that. <laughs> but still. I, people uh, who are actually mean like, don't have the self awareness to play mean people. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good That's true. Um, but but you know you don't even have to be like uh like in your sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties to be have like and be a woman to have it be like this weird thing where you can't be awesome, like can't be necessarily awesome or central because you're not like a twenty something. As much as I like young adult narratives and everything like that and empowering young people, like there's this way, like there's this trope: women, uh, men get old, women get replaced. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like, that really strikes me, like, there was a debate recently about the Xena reboot when people say, let's just bring Lucy Lawless back. And they're like, well, Lucy Lawless is too old to play Xena. Meanwhile, we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger still playing the Terminator. <laughs> and we've got Bruce Campbell playing Ash. And, it, but, and, like, they make a point with Bruce Campbell playing Ash is that, like, he's old and fat. And that's kind of awesomely celebrated. But, like, that's my whole, like, and, she, and by the way, Lucy Lawless is kicking ass on Ash vs. Evil Dead. But, um... Like, but that's, like, the whole thing. Like, she's not even that... Lucy Laws is not that old. And it's no. considered this big deal. Like, it's, it's like, she couldn't play Xena. She's too old. Uh, or then, and, like, or then like if they come back and they do reprise the role, it's the comment is always, wow, they've gone to shit, you know? Yeah, like, oh, well, she's let herself go or something like that. Like, I think Carrie... Well, they, say, they said that of uh, Portia de Rossi in uh, the rest of developments, you know? The yeah. Netflix yeah. season. Like, oh, she's aged horribly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, no, you're right, Wendy, because Carrie Fisher, well, I mean, mm. okay, her acting was off. Like, I think we can admit that. But they were saying she was, like, too fat to play Leia again. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, what the, what, what, what the fuck? Well, because like, Leia, Leia would Leia never gain thin? weight for some reason, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> why can't Leia be thin? You know they sent her to fat camp originally for A New Hope, right? Like, they always had issues with I her thought weight. It was, I, thought it was for, I thought it was for Empire that they sent her to fat camp. No, I think that was when she was already on things. Oh. But, um... Because I read her autobiography. I thought it was... Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, Never mind. but she was, she was just saying, like, I have a round face, and apparently you can't have a round face. Like, at least, like, Carrie Fisher has kind of a balanced perspective on this, but... Yeah, but, like, even, like, you know, we, we've we had a few, like, kind of freak-out moments talking about the marketing around Star Wars, how they were, like, putting forward Captain Phasma and not Leia. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. They talk about, like, you know, the, the, the female characters of that movie, and they're like, Captain Phasma! What?! <laughs> Captain like, Phasma, who, not- like, she could have been replaced by... He gets thrown in a jar- garbage disposal. That's the entirety of her character. <laughs> like, you know you know the sexy lamp test? Well, she could have just been played by a lamp. It wouldn't have yeah, mattered. Yeah, she really could have. She, like, like we said before, she could literally have phoned in her role and nothing would have been wrong. I'm, I- I'm not convinced she didn't. <laughs> and the marketing, yeah, no, the marketing was all about her and not about, like, you know, the person who's running the rebellion. Yeah. General Organa. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it just is like like one of my favorite series right now is um is the fall, and it, it, and part of it is that like I will eternally be in love with Jillian Anderson. <laughs> like I like I guys like she she she's a recipe for lesbianism, <laughs> or at least my lesbian, well, not my my bisexuality. She's yeah, she's, she's like a, she's tapped into something huge with that, and and always has. I, I, and she knows it too. Yeah, sure she yeah. does. Yeah, she totally knows it, and that's one of the best things about her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's just uh, and like she doesn't really, she doesn't. We don't really see her shoot anyone, even though she plays a cop or anything like that. But she's going up against this killer, and it, it's just so awesome the way she asserts like femininity and shit mm-hmm. like that. There's like I, I urge everybody to watch. Uh, uh, to watch the fall and things like that. Like I love so many of these women. In yeah. these shows, and um, that we see, and I, I get very like upset when I see like women kind of like women above a certain age kind of get hung out to dry, even though they're still amazing. Like I want to see more. I want to see Michelle Pfeiffer in major motion pictures again. I haven't seen her in a major like theater. Yeah, movie. yeah. What happened yeah. to Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> yeah, not since Hairspray have I seen her. Yeah, Jesus. Like, and I, like I, she's 
I, I didn't think about her, I don't think, for the past five years of my life. But now that you mentioned it, I feel a keen absence of her. Yes. And then, like, I mean, it, it just drives me, like, and there's, there's some, like, uh, there, I mean, there's some positives in there. Like, I, I love the fact that Viola Davis, mm-hmm. at her, like, I know Viola Davis isn't old, but she is, like, she's not well, That's 15 minutes. Yeah. But okay, yeah, no, she and she's still and she's still rocket. Sigourney Weaver was pulling that off for a while. She's fifty one. Like Viola Davis is fifty one. I love the fact that her career has exploded now when she's been in her late forties or late fifties. Like that's positive to me. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And I would say Sigourney Weaver is another one of those actors that is like aging. Like she's making a space for herself. Maggie Smith is kind Mm -hmm. of the early example of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's perfect in every Mm -hmm. way. She is. All right. Well, uh, we're, we're coming up on the end, but can I just pitch my yeah. absolute favorite trope buster woman in all of media? Yeah. I know yeah. we talk about Legend of Korra too much on this show. I know we do. <laughs> but get to season three and embrace Suyin Beifang, who is yeah. so hypocritical and so messed up of a character. Uh, she's so selfish to her core in some ways but then she has this like air of the like mother kale i'm gonna like fix the kids lunches at school and everything will be better Mm. but like but she is so unbelievably badass too at the same time and like her husband is so clearly not in the driver's seat of that relationship there's this one part where they're trying to escape a prison and he's like clinging to the side of the cage because he's like scared and her sister's like what the fuck and she just shrugs and then <laughs> and i swear to god she's with him specifically for that reason oh my like, god i know because she has a little bit of a she's got some ego on her and and the thing too i, I just wrote an ode to lynn bay fong and how she's the unsung hero of everything but uh well, she's putting just, up with like putting up with Suyin for as long as she did. Oh my god. She's a saint. But like, there is a episode where the climax is these two women fighting each other with everything they have and they're both like over 50. Suyin's a mother of like a million kids. The kids are watching and they're like, go mom, beat her up. Like, it's the (laughs) best thing ever. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 Uh, basically all of the, all, all of this, the Bayfong, like, oh my god, the Bayfongs are like the ultimate feminist family to me. Uh, like, they're, they're perfect. You want to know what feminist writing looks like when it's done right? Like, just look at the Bayfong women. Yeah, like, um, something, something exploded with Legend of Korra season three, and it just, it didn't stop, and then they just put the Bayfongs front and center season four. They're like, we yeah. don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Oh. We gotta wrap up, guys. So on that note, yeah, um, on that note, that's that positive note, though. It it gets better. You can grow up to be Su Yin Beifong or uh, Lin Beifong, and yeah. My my goal in life is to be Su Yin, and I'm gonna find a genius architect husband <laughs> and have him like erect a city in my image. Yeah, <laughs> the I'm, image of your vagina, you mean? Yeah. Oh my god, the Yannick imagery, my friends. <laughs> but yeah, uh, let us know your favorite badass. Lady, lady, old lady, trope buster. And she has to be over 35. Definitely right. also please let us know your escapist uh, media in, in, in these times. And, and tell us uh, what early comic books to read. Yeah. Tell us things, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Positive. Exactly. So uh, thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time. Yes. Bye. We love you guys. Bye. Work through the daytime, spend my nights and we
again. 